In Texas, it's governors openly questioning the need to continue public education. In Florida, educators are being pressured to sign affidavits regarding what they will teach and not teach. And in Colorado, one school district is fighting a shutdown due to limited achievement of students. Against this backdrop of challenging education scenarios, leading a school district that continues to achieve a nearly 80% graduation rate, earning over $18 million in scholarships, is extraordinary. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. With a staff of over 5,500 teaching its 38,000 students from 130 countries, the Aurora Public Schools is a quiet gem of K-12 education excellence in Colorado. With schools about to welcome back students, we continue to gain additional insight into APS and how it works with its superintendent, Mr. Rico Munn. Are you also providing additional support to parents so they can better support their kids at school because some of them are working at home, some of them are not? Uh, Parents are all over the place there, and so uh, probably focusing some time with their students uh, is going to be a little challenging for them to do. You're giving parents some additional strategies on how they can help their youth cause since everybody may be learning at home at the same time. Yeah, we fully uh, embrace the idea that parents are our partners in this process. Uh, and so we want to make sure that they have the opportunity to access our resources and our expertise uh, whenever we can. We send out information about uh, different resources they can access or different events that we can host that provide supports for them uh, in the work that they are doing to raise their kids. In your list of goals that you had when you took the position, how many still remain to be accomplished, or have you gotten those done and had to add some more (laughs) because of the world around us? You know, uh, K-12 education is a never-ending goal-setting and goal-accomplishment process. Yeah. Each Each year we look at where we are and how we can improve, so I I can't give you that list per se as much as uh, looking at where we are this year and how do we uh, make sure that we do the best that we can to provide opportunities and power the potential of all of our kids. Are you seeing a, an increase in homeless students and families that have a special challenge that to uh, help them and make sure that they they get the education that they need? Yeah, we're seeing, and we won't have you know accurate numbers for this year until we really get school up and running. But we know that the needs of families have been increased because of the pandemic, uh, that the cost of living is you know, stretching far beyond what many of our families can really manage. And so we have to keep thinking about how do we provide uh, partnership in that process? How do we connect them to resources? And how do we keep moving forward with our instructional environment while they're facing those challenges at home? Mm-hmm. Some of the things that are going on around the country I wanted to ask you about, too. You have the uh, you have the governor of Texas walking around saying maybe we don't need public education anymore. We need to do something else. And down in Florida, they're asking teachers to sign affidavits of what they're going to teach and not teach. Have you seen any of that pressure come to APS at all or at least people surfacing it here? No. And, you know, we all see the same news stories, I think, uh, there are reasons I don't live in Texas or Florida, <laughs> and so um, we will let them uh, try and sort out what their view of the world is, and we'll just keep worrying and focusing on our kids. And focusing on kids, uh, back to the mental health piece again, they say some, you know, uh, cyberbullying, some of it starts at schools, and schools are in the position to help take care of, of that. Is that still an issue as it was a few years ago? You know, I think that's tough to gauge. Um, we 
we constantly are surveying and asking our students, do they have the supports they need? Uh, do they have connection with an adult uh, who can help them access resources and supports? And those numbers always uh, are strong in our district, but we know that each year kids are facing different challenges that we need to step up and meet. For the last bunch of years, even before COVID hit, districts were saying uh, recruitment and hiring was a, was a challenge then. Uh, is it still a challenge now? And, and then with your school district with so many languages, my goodness, you, you just can't hire a teacher that's right out of education at, C, at CU. You know, you, you, they, they got to bring some other skills, I would think, for your uh, district. Well, I think you're seeing uh, a massive reshifting of the entire workforce mm-hmm. in every industry. And education isn't isolated from that. Uh, we are facing challenges with all of our colleagues. We want to make sure that we provide a competitive uh, compensation opportunity for our staff, that we provide a good, strong professional development structure, and that we provide ongoing support so that uh, as people come into our system, even if they don't have uh, some of the skills of a veteran teacher, that we can support them to grow in place to really help our kids. Are you looking at plans or are you looking at some things from the early part of the pandemic you had to put into place that are going to continue whether or not COVID continues or not simply because it enhances education? Well, as we shift into an endemic phase, we know we need to be providing consistency and stability for our students and really letting our students' needs and and the data dictate how we serve our students. That's where we get our sense of urgency from. Uh, we put out a report uh, at the end of uh, last year uh, that looked at what the lessons learned were from the pandemic. And I think we're definitely drawing from those lessons. Uh, that includes the technology, as we spoke about a minute ago, but also includes having a very adept and flexible understanding of what equity for our students are. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes meeting our students' basic needs uh, was the most equitable thing we could do in order to access their education. Now, some uh, experts and pundits have said, well, the pandemic put all students behind, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, you have learned the same way I know, having been an educator's husband for a while, that students learn at different rates anyway. And when you get into college, there's no acceptance, that no standard that you got to get out of college in four years. So are kids going to catch themselves up or they're just going to learn at the rate they're going to learn and they'll learn whatever whatever you put in front of them until it's time for them to graduate. We know that the pandemic exacerbated all of the existing inequities in our system and across all of society. Yeah. And if we don't take aggressive intervention actions, our students will be further behind than they would have been uh, without the pandemic. And so that's one of the reasons we're very thankful for the federal dollars to allow us to uh, try new strategies and new ways of accelerating learning. Mm-hmm. We, can't, we can't artificially you know, implant knowledge in kids' heads, obviously, uh, but we can provide more opportunities and more structures to make sure that students have the opportunity to accelerate where they would have been um, without intervention. I know you probably have a higher emphasis on student and school safety. That's got to be number one, and it's probably changed 180 degrees since the time you started from the events that have been happening around the country. Well, there's been obviously tragic events that have happened in Uvalde, Buffalo, Tulsa, 
but we're no stranger to it. You know, Aurora had the Aurora Theater shooting. Yeah. And then obviously across Colorado, there have been tragedies of gun-related violence. Uh, we've been very mindful of what we need to do to have a safe and healthy learning environment for many years. We have a comprehensive framework that thinks about uh, what it means to have strong relationships with our families, to have good communication with our families and our students, and also a connection with our local law enforcement that provides for a health and safety environment. And then also we have gone to our voters and asked for support to uh, support our physical environment so that we have security vestibules in all of our elementaries and K-8 schools and other uh, physical things to make sure that we're providing uh, the safest environment possible for our kids. You spoke of technology a minute ago, too. Do all Aurora public schools, have uh, uh, students, have access to technology, or is that still growing or expanding between the schools that you have? The pandemic forced all of us to accelerate our technology processes and access, and so uh, we became a one-to-one district uh, during the pandemic in supporting our students to have uh, typically Chromebooks or other devices to be able to uh, access their learning at any time. Yeah, I've got a grandson that goes to school in uh, Arvada. As it, he started kindergarten, they gave him a tablet. And I said, wait a minute, <laughs> I'm still learning to use a tablet. He's six and doing it. So uh, They are very adept on those machines. How about online education? Do you have to uh, adjust curriculum? Because in some places you can go to uh, a K-12 online and then go right into community college or regular college online, too. Is that a different curriculum flow you have to have to make that work? Yeah, it's it's a different instructional approach, certainly, which lends them to some different curriculum. I think uh, we're all very much in a learning mode while People have been doing distance learning or online learning for many, many years. Now the fact that everybody's been exposed to it and we have such a large sample size of how students interact with that, I think online learning in five years will look nothing like it does today. Really? Uh, and I, I can't tell you what it will look like because I really think it's the innovation in it and the opportunity for us as educators to learn and grow and develop is happening in real time. Six years of continuous student achievement. Uh, you got to be proud of your staff for doing that. Six years of it, and you've got blue-ribbon schools at the same time, and everybody's saying it couldn't be done in public education, but Aurora Public Schools is accomplishing that. Well, we're very proud of the work that we have done to support our kids, um, but we have a lot more work to do. We are nowhere near where we need to be, and we need to now understand Uh, how the pandemic has impacted us. But what I know from the work that we've been doing is that our staff is up to the challenge. They're incredibly talented, gifted, and dedicated to our kids. And we uh, have some great days ahead of us. How can we improve uh, improve public education in the long term since you said we're going to have some great days ahead? What improvements need to be done? Because we, have, you and I have probably seen changes in education up over the years that we have been here from the education that we started with to the one that you have in place now. What, what do we need to do to make edu- uh, public education better? Well, three things come to mind. One, we need to keep building upon the work that we've done to uh, recognize who our kids are, uh, what opportunities they bring to the table, and that's through a lot of our diversity and equity work, but that's also through personalized learning. Mm-hmm. Once we have a better understanding of each of our students, that will drive 
all of our steps and our work. I think the second is to really then take advantage of the strength of our communities. Our communities um, inside of them have the expertise to continue to grow and develop our students and really engage our students. Yeah. That's the cornerstone of, of our plan is to make sure that students see the relevance of their learning and can connect that to the world, world around them. And then thirdly, as we build and develop those things, we have to resource to those things. Yeah. Because sometimes our resources are aligned to different things than what our kids actually need. With the, uh, the couple of seconds we have left, if you had a message to deliver to the parents regarding APS education, what they can expect and how their students can achieve in it, what would it be? Well, first of all, we're excited for the school year coming up. We're excited to have their kids back and to be partners with them in developing and growing their kids um, and to know that we're ready. We're ready for the things that are coming this year. Um, and excited to see everybody engaged in that process. Well, I tell you what, you know, you have done a remarkable job in building on what your predecessors have done and then taking it to another level when we have school districts here that the uh, state is trying to close and yours just continues to accelerate and succeed. I'm just thankful that you took a few moments with us to to let us know and look forward to the school year at APS. Well, I appreciate the accolades. I appreciate the the applause that you're offering. But but we know that we have just so much more work to do, but I know that we're up to the task. We thank the superintendent of the Aurora Public Schools District, Mr. Rico Munn, for being our guest again on this edition. They are looking ahead to another year of student achievement in APS. Now, before we let you go, do be reminded that the annual Salute to Seniors by the Colorado Gerontological Society Senior Answers is August 12th and 13th, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., and it is virtual again this year. Do connect with them at SeniorAnswers.org for the program details. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Get your vaccination and boosters for your health and your family's safety. And we do appreciate you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.